We have guests and visitors here. If you look around you, if there's someone that doesn't have a Bible or maybe not a King James Version Bible, would you please share your Bible with them and help them find their place? And we're so honored that you're here. Now, I want you to go to two books of the Bible. We're going to read one verse each. Uh, I want you to go to the last book of the Old Testament, the book of Malachi, or sometimes pronounced Malachi. And so I want you to go to the book of Malachi, chapter 4. Malachi chapter 4, and then after you do that, I want you to go to John chapter 8. Malachi chapter 4, John chapter 8. Why are you doing that, ladies? We have a very special meeting for you on Saturday, May 11th, and it will be here at the church at 10 o'clock. It is a brunch fellowship meeting. It's one of the highlights of the year, and tickets are on sale for that. I want you ladies to sign up and get that this week and sign up for it. Next week, the tickets go up in price. So ladies, you want to use this opportunity to come, make some new friends, have fellowship, eat, 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 eat a little bit there and have more fellowship and eat some more and have more fellowship and uh, be encouraged by the Word of God and uh, it'll be a wonderful time. So I want you to come for that. It'll be from about 10 to 12, 20 to 1, somewhere like that on, on, the, uh, on the 11th there. So please get your tickets for that. And as Brother Denny alluded to, uh, one of our, we're having our, our Giving by Faith banquet opportunity and uh, we have some debt on these buildings and we want to get paid down a little bit sooner than later. And so we're just encouraging church to meet with us for a time of fellowship around the Word of God on, on the 19th and that evening. And our banquets have always been a special time, very specially prepared meal, and we want you to come participate with us in exercising faith. Tonight, I'm preaching a message that will kind of dovetail a little bit on that, but it's looking at uh, the uh, second to last of uh, the sons of, of, of Jacob there. And we're going to look at his son named Asher, and Asher means happy, and we're going to see about being happy. How many of you are happy this morning? Amen? Amen. Oh, there's not a lot of happy people this morning. Let's try it. How many of you are happy this morning? Oh, I see a lot of sad people this morning. You need to be back tonight. We'll learn about what is happiness and how to be happy in the Lord. And that'll encourage you. You say, well, my husband's not happy. Bring him to church tonight. Amen? You say, my wife's not happy. You better bring her to church tonight. Amen? You know? Your children aren't happy. Well, just bring them to church. We'll fix that. Amen? So that'll be a good thing. So come for that tonight. We're going to have a wonderful time of fellowship in the Word of God. Malachi chapter 4. Look at verses 1 and 2. If you find Matthew, go back one chapter, and that's Malachi. Malachi chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. I'm going to read this morning. I want you to follow me. For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. And, that day and, and the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, and that it shall not leave them neither roots nor branch. Notice verse 2, but unto you that fear my name shall the son of righteousness arise with healing in his wings. How many know that speaks about the Lord Jesus Christ, amen? The son of righteousness, and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. Now keep your finger there, and I want you to go with me to John chapter 8. <clears throat> John chapter 8. John chapter 8. One verse, we preached on this a little bit a few weeks ago, but we're going to kind of continue with a new message here. And I want you to notice verse 12. This is one of the I am statements our Lord Jesus Christ made in the Gospel of John. Then spake Jesus again unto them, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of light. Malachi, in chapter 4, verse 2, Jesus is the son of righteousness. Now, that's important because uh, when we look at Satan as he's revealed in Isaiah chapter 14, he is seen as, a, as, a, as light also, as a bright light. But we must remember that Satan is a counterfeit. Anything God does, Satan is a counterfeit of that. He mimics it, but is not the same. He is a light also, but he's not the light of the world. And we look at John chapter 8 verse 12, and the Lord Jesus Christ makes a proclamation statement about himself. He said, I am the light of the world. He's saying here that a light that's spoken of here is a person. That person is Jesus Christ today. And I want to preach a message that I pray will encourage us today on, on the subject, let the sun, S-O-N, let the sun arise. Let the sun arise in your life and mine. Now, Father, this morning we're thankful for our, uh, what we've heard in the singing from the choir and the children's choir and the congregational hymns. And we're just thankful today that we could come and worship you without, without interference, uh, with any, without any, uh, anything inhibiting us, and without restraint. Thank you for the freedom to worship. Thank you, Lord God, today that we are blessed with property. Thank you for blessing with the congregation of people that love you. 
and friends that are here today. And thank you for the word of God, which as even the children sang about, he's still working on me. Thank you that all of us are work in progress, that Lord, you are working in our hearts. You've begun a good work in us. And that's good to know that Lord, what you started, you'll continue to do it until the day of Christ. And sometimes Lord, we take one step forward and then two steps back and two step forwards and three steps back. And then we kind of get it. And Lord, we're making advancement in what we're doing. And I pray this morning that Lord, you just would shed the light on some areas of our life that we need to see and Speak to us this morning about the light of the world being Jesus Christ. And speak to us this morning about Christ being the son of righteousness. Would you give us understanding? Would you give us knowledge? Would you give us wisdom today? Open our eyes and we may behold wondrous things out of your law. May Lord today you lift our burdens and comfort our hearts and speak to us in a clear way that will bring glory and honor to you. And then I pray this morning as we get towards the end of the service, Lord help us in realizing that services, worship times are times and opportunities for us to realize that you want us to draw closer to you. And you want us, Lord, to make decisions that will help us impact the world for Jesus Christ. And decisions that will help us to be uh, the kind of people that will glorify and please you. Would you help us today to be very sensitive to what the Holy Spirit wants us to do? Give us hearts of obedience, hearts that are tender and soft and receptive to your word. And we'll thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, last week, we still have resonating in our hearts a special Resurrection Day services that last week. If you weren't able to be there, I hope you'll go back to the, our, our website and go visit the podcast. And just to visit that, we just, our choir was a blessing. And the choir and the works were a blessing with the music. And then just kind of weaving into that, the, the, the resurrection message. And uh, we celebrated and gave honor to our Lord Jesus Christ for the miracle of the bodily resurrection. And the resurrection of Jesus Christ is important because it's one of the critical fundamentals of our faith. We spoke about that a little bit this past Wednesday night. And in Wednesday night Bible study that the believers or Christians have certain fundamentals that are very critical to us. And found, uh, fundamentals are the building blocks of our faith. And the fundamentals are the foundation of what we believe upon. And one of those, those, those core critical beliefs is that we believe that Jesus Christ rose again bodily or physically from the dead. Now without the resurrection of Jesus Christ, all of us are still in our sins and we have no hope for the life hereafter. So the resurrection is critical. When Christ died on the cross, when he rose again from the dead, he put to death Satan. He put to death. He put to death death. He put to death all of those things. He conquered sin, death, and, 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 and the devil so that you and I could have a victorious Christian life. Now, for those who put their faith and trust in Christ last week, and for those of us who put our faith and trust in Christ maybe a long time ago, it's critical for us to understand that, that what life for a believer should be like. A saved person, how we're supposed to live after, after salvation. And this morning, these two verses we read, and as we do our Bible study today, we want to see how a Christian should live. We want to see how a saved person should live. How am I supposed to live my life? What is God trying to do through me? Sometimes we go through life without even wondering uh, or thinking about what am I supposed to do? And these verses of scripture explain that to us. Look again at John chapter 8 verse 12. Jesus said, the Bible says, then spake Jesus again unto them, I am the light of the world. And notice right in the middle there. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. And the key word there is followeth. The Lord wants us to follow him. When we come into the light, realize that he's the light of the world, and he's the light that gives life to us, that we must follow him. Uh, Malachi said something similar. He said, but unto you that fear my name, shall the son of righteousness arise with healing in his wings. And then he said this, and ye shall go forth and uh, grow up as calves of the stall. You see, we see two things. Number one, we see what Jesus does for us, and that's important because Jesus saves us, and Jesus forgives us, and Jesus gives us hope, and Jesus gives us heaven. We see what Jesus does for us. But then secondly, we see what we're supposed to do for Jesus. It's not a one-way street. It's two ways. We realize what he's done for us, and then we realize what we're supposed to do for him. A lot of times we, we are concerned about living a good life and doing good works, but our remind you this morning, good works are not a prerequisite to being saved. We, the Bible says, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, not of works, lest any man should boast. Why? Because it's the gift of God. And then we look at the verse after that, Ephesians 2.10 says, for we are his workmanship created unto Christ Jesus unto good works. Now, good works are important, but good works are a post-requisite of salvation. They, the good works count after we get saved. If you've recently got saved, praise the Lord for that. Amen? And you 
you want to live for Jesus Christ and you want to exalt him through your life. Now notice Malachi 4.2. Malachi makes an astounding statement there towards the end of the Old Testament. He refers to Jesus Christ as the son of righteousness. Now as you grow in the faith, it's important to just kind of read through your Bible and find the various passages that describe God. God has these different names that describe his attributes. And we see some of them here in the Gospel of John. Jesus is living water. Jesus is the bread of life. Jesus is the light. We'll see later on, Jesus is the door. We'll see later on that Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. We'll see later on that Jesus is the good shepherd. We'll see later on that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And he's the true vine. We see that Jesus called himself the Alpha and the Omega. The Alpha and Omega were the first and last letters of the, of the Greek alphabet. He said, I'm the beginning and I'm the end. I mean, then we read through the Bible. There's all these wonderful names God has. And that's important for us because the Bible says, from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, the Lord's name is to be praised. By understanding God's names, we understand who God is and how he works in our life. And one of these ways we find that he's called the son of righteousness. Now, we know this this morning. We look outside those windows and we're going to walk out. We enjoy the sun. There's a difference from having having an overcast day and a sunny day. Overcast day, we tend to be a little bit slower. Overcast day, we tend to be a little bit sadder. But when the sun comes up, a beautiful day, we just rejoice in that. There's a little bit of a smile on our face. And some of us, uh, uh, some folks got together for a get-together yesterday to celebrate one of our church members' birthday. And, and we were just out in the backyard for a minute just celebrating that time. And uh, we're just enjoying the sun and the breeze. And you get to everybody who's just happy in the sun. And that's a wonderful thing. And the sun is important. The sun is the largest and most brightly shining star star of our solar system. Our planet and existence is vitally dependent upon the sun as our energy source. Uh, it contains more than 99.8% of the total mass of the solar system. If you can imagine that. 99.8% of the total mass of the solar system is contained in the sun. And the sun, of course, is, is giving off all these, these, these uh, uh, energies, bursting with energy through nuclear fusion. We realize that the sun is important for many things. We need the sun for our vitamin D. We need the sun to grow things. I mean, there's the importance of the sun in us. And I'm reminded this morning as we think about the sun, how in Genesis chapter 1, the Bible mentions the, the importance of God creating the sun uh, for our benefit. If you notice in your Bible in the first chapter, uh, Genesis chapter 1, verses 14 to 19, if you turn there, it says this, and God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs and seasons and days and years. Well, it's interesting, God in his wisdom knew exactly how to create the solar system. And he knew for us, specifically for the earth, he decided to have the day and the night. We find that this is on the fourth day of creation. And he said in verse 14, let there be light. And so he said in verse 15, let them be for lights in the firmament of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. And he made the stars also. Well, the greater light to rule the day is the sun. And the lesser light was the moon that God gave us. And what a wonderful thing that God in his love for us and his infinite wisdom, he made the sun as the greatest mass of the universe. Now, now, notice this, the Bible uses a a wonderful, colorful comparison is saying Jesus Christ is the son of righteousness. He is the son who's perfect. He's the son who is holy. And by the way, he's the son who's God. Amen? And so we look at that, and why is the purpose of the son? Well, Psalms 136 verse 6 says the son is to rule by day. And so we realize that the son rules by day reminds us of Jesus Christ who must rule in our heart. The effulgence of the glory of God is found in Jesus Christ as he shines brightly and much more brightly than the sun. As the son of righteousness, he exudes holiness and righteousness. It should draw our attention to God and realizing how much more we need to be in the presence of God day in and day out. Jesus Christ is greater than the son. And so this morning, I want us in taking um, Malachi 4.2 and John 8.12, I want us to see how the son, Jesus Christ, should arise in your heart and mind. Would you notice the following things about light this morning? Number one, would you consider with me the revelation in light? The revelation light. Jesus Christ said, I am the light of the world. He made a proclamation. Now light is a person. That's Jesus Christ. Light is a power. We need the power of the sun. But notice light has a purpose and we see this revelation. The light of the world is Jesus Christ. Now there's some things of qualities about light that are important for us. Notice what you notice is number one. Light removes. 
Light removes. Light expels darkness. As uh, where there's light, darkness is removed. As the sun sets each day, the shroud of darkness sets over us. And, uh, you know, there's a difference from watching the sun right at the middle of the day, but probably around about 7, 30, 8 o'clock, the sun is going to start to set. And then around 8, 30 tonight, there'll be darkness upon the land. Where there's darkness, visibility is poor, and we cannot see very well. Where there's darkness, nocturnal animals and insects thrive. There's certain animals that just drive at night. Where there's darkness, the risks of danger are greater. We read over in Exodus chapter 14, verse 20. It says, And it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel, and it was a cloud and darkness to them, but it gave light by night to these, so that the one came not near the, the, uh, near the other all the night. Now what's that talking about there? Well, in Exodus chapter 13, 14, we have, the, we have told there that God gave a pillar of cloud to lead Israel. It was a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. At nighttime, they didn't have street lights, and sometimes if it was overcast and the moon was not shining very brightly or there weren't a stars, people could not see. And God gave Israel a pathway. He gave them light so these three million people could see at night and proceed. And the Bible says this pillar of fire lit up the night for them. It became light to the Israelites, but it was darkness to those who did not believe. 1 Corinthians 4, 5 says, the Lord bringeth to light the hidden things of darkness. Darkness is removed and we can see more clearly. This couple got into a car and were driving away. And as they were approaching a little town that they were supposed to stay in while they were on vacation, they noticed as they were entering the city that the entire city was blacked out. And there was a power failure and everything went out there. And they're a little bit concerned because things looked very eerie and scary there. And they had never been to this town before. And they were trying to find their way. As they did so, they kept on driving on the main road. And as they did so, they saw this bright light. They thought, where's this light coming from? And this bright light was shining from one building there and happened to be a church house. And these people, these Christians who are meeting, they're having an evening service like we'll have tonight, and they just decided they'd bring their lanterns and their candles, and they decided the darkness was not going to keep them from having church, and they lit up their candles and their, and their, and their lanterns, and, and the, the whole place, the only place in the entire little town that was lit up was that little town, and that comfort, couple found great comfort as they pulled up. They said, well, you know what? We're just going to pull up to that little church and stay there until the power comes back on, and I just want to say tonight, where, where this morning, then where there's light, darkness is removed, so we see that light light removes darkness. But notice the second thing. Light reveals some things. Light exposes things that would rather stay in the dark. A few years ago, actually several years ago, my wife and I were, were uh, went to a meeting, and this many, many years ago, we went to a meeting, and, and in this meeting, we were invited to, uh, to several banquet dinners that were going on, and, and so I remember the first night, we sat at this table, and I didn't know anybody at the table. In fact, just trying to find the table after you entered that, that banquet room was a little bit difficult. They, they dimmed the lights, and that banquet room, this hotel was very dim and darkened, and, and so it was a little bit just kind of trying to find your way there, so you didn't bump into chairs and things like that. Finally, we got to the table, and as our eyes adjusted to the dark, we started looking at the people and introducing ourselves, and of course, as you know, as you have a sit-down meal, the very first thing they bring is a salad. And so I, I happened to remark to my wife, I said, you know, it's kind of hard to know what you're really eating here, the salad there. And I was a little bit concerned just exactly what was in there. And so, uh, you know, we just were being very careful and our eyes were trying to adjust to that. And I was tossing my salad around with a dim light there and I just looked, focused very clearly. And I looked at something that didn't look like a vegetable. It didn't look like a green. It didn't look like pepper. It was an insect. It was a cockroach of all things. You say, what did you do? I ate, no, I didn't eat it. No, but I pushed it aside. I was thankful I had enough light. I could see what was there. Just a word of advice. Never eat your salad in the dark. Amen? Light reveals things. You ever lost something and you got under the couch or in a dark corner and you couldn't see it? You got a flashlight and light reveals. Light removes, but light reveals. Light reveals things that we otherwise could not see. Light helps us to see what is in front of us more clearly. Light helps us to see the road more clearly. Hey, listen, light reveals the truth. In John chapter 8, notice verse 32. Would you scroll down there, please? John chapter 8, verse 32. Actually, verse 31. Jesus said to the Jews, he still, he introduced what he's saying after verse 12. He quoted verse 12, and then he used that as his springboard to introduce some thoughts. And he said in verse 31, he said to those Jews which believed on him, if you continue my word, then are ye my disciples indeed, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Hey, the light reveals the truth. Why are you here this morning? Because the truth is Jesus Christ, amen? God is truth. 
The word of God is truth. Jesus prayed this prayer. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. And so the light, Jesus Christ, reveals truth. Hey, light opens our eyes to the word of God. Why do we need God's Bible? Why do we assemble on Sundays and other public worship times like Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday nights and other Bible studies? Why do we come? Because the light, the word of God is light to our path. Hey, consider some things the Bible says. Psalms 119, verse 105. You look at your notes this morning. Psalms 119, verse 105. And all the Psalms 119 is about the word of God. In verse 105, it says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Now, when I think of light sometimes in our Western way of thinking, I think of holding a torch, and I think of a bonfire, and I think of street lights, and I think of a lantern, and I think of a, a power flashlight that gives us a lot of lumens. But that's not what they're talking about there. To the Hebrew, light to them was a very small lamp. If you go among the Hebrews, their lamp was just a little just a little pottery about the size of your palm and you'd put oil inside of it with a little wick and you'd set it on fire and listen you would you would rely on that to give you enough light for your next step always tell us uh, tell our church that God only needs to give us enough light for the very next step and that's what the psalmist meant there in Psalms 119 verse 105 we're holding that little lamp in our hand and there's darkness all around us but that little lamp helps us to see the next step and that little lamp helps us see the next step he says thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light into my path. It may be a little bit dark, but as we take one step at a time, that lamp helps us to get where we need to go. That's why it's important to reading your Bible all the time. Reading your Bible in the morning, trying to read your Bible at night. You want to know what the mind of God is. If you want to know what God's will is for your life, you need to read God's Word. Amen? You need to know what God's Word says about that. Notice what Solomon said in Proverbs 6.23. He said, for the commandment is a lamp, and the law is light, and the reproofs of instruction are the way of life. I don't know about you guys, but I don't like wandering in the dark. I don't like trying to grope my way in the dark. I've had many times when I've gotten up in the middle of the night and I just kind of didn't know where I was at and I'd bump into a window or I'd bump into a wall. That's not very fun to bump into a wall and window, amen? Especially when you're walking very fast or to trip over something there. But the Bible says God's commandments and his word is a lamp to us and it helps us to guide our way. And we, want, we need guidance. And you know, a lot of us now, we drive on the road and we'll use some type of a version of GPS and many of you use Waze, which is very good to help you navigate through traffic. Can you imagine trying to navigate through life without having God's insight? sight without having God's mind and wisdom about what to do. And God's word helps us to find our way there. So that's a good thing there. So we see this morning that light, light reveals and light, light removes. But notice something else. Light is a remedy. Light remedies. Look what it says in, in, in Malachi 4.2. It says Jesus Christ is the son of righteousness with healing in his wings. Would you notice the, the image that's painted to us? The image there is a bird with a massive wingspan like an eagle. A bird with a massive wingspan. And the Lord extends, if you would, the healing power he has over your life and mine. As we find our way under, under his wings, it, it shields us from the, from the intensity of the radiation from the sun rays, which can be a little bit intense. And we find healing in his wings. Now, what kind of healing is that? Well, God knows that we have hurt in our soul. And God knows that we have worries. And God knows that we have anxieties. And God knows that sometimes we'll hear something that hurts us. And God God knows that sometimes that maybe we've been rejected and, and we're hurt by the rejection and maybe there's bitterness that's happened because we've had a bad experience in our life and instead of living, giving it to God, we've let it fester in us and it becomes bitter. Bitterness roots up. By the way, every one of us has bitterness in us. It's just what is the event that triggers it and brings it out. The Bible speaks about, about, about uh, bitterness being a root that springs up. And so we must find our refuge in the Lord and realizing that under the wings of God that we can trust him. That's why it's so wonderful. We sing that song every now and then here it says under his wings I will abide we need to come under the wings of our Lord and find healing in his wings and I say to you this morning Jesus Christ heals the discouraged souls who feel like hope is all gone he heals the soaring hearts of those overcome with grief he heals us of our fears he heals us of our anxieties he heals every broken spirit he gives peace when we're in turmoil oh listen this morning it might be some of us here today need to hide ourselves under his wings and come under that massive wingspan of our Lord. And by the way, there's enough room for everybody. Amen? You can come under there, find room for the Lord on that. And he'll give healing in his wings there. And thank God for that. He's Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals. And we're thankful for that today. His wings bring us under the shadow of the Almighty and the secret place of the Most High God. I'm thankful for what great, great Bible expositor of years gone by said. His name was J.C. Philpott. He said this, 
Just as the sun rises in the east and gradually mounts up into the meridian sky, dispersing with every ray light, warmth, and gladness, so this blessed Lord Jesus, as the Son of Righteousness, is ever dispersing the beams of his grace and the rays of his favor. And whenever those beams come and those rays fall, there is light and light and everything to make the soul happy and, and glad. Thank God this morning, Jesus Christ is the light of the world. Amen? We thank God for the revelation of the light, that Jesus is light. He lightens our path. He removes the darkness. He reveals just through his word what we're supposed to do. And he remedies our soul and what he does. We see the revelation through the light. Would you notice number two? Would you notice the responsibilities in the light? Now as God gives us light, there are responsibilities. What are we supposed to do with the light? Well, I think you've, you've learned you don't want to shine your flashlight in people's eyes. Amen. You know? And when you're driving on the road, you don't drive with your high beams on. They blind the other driver. And we must understand there are, there are certain responsibilities we have with the light. Notice what Jesus said in John 8, 12. Then spake Jesus unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness. Now, that, now God, God tells us something that we must choose. He that followed me is a choice. It is a decision. He that followed me shall not walk in darkness. May I say this this morning if I talk about our instructions and responsibilities. May I say this this morning. It's a good thing to follow Jesus. Amen? Amen. It's a good thing to follow our Lord. It's a wonderful thing to follow. Hey, by the way, when you follow the Lord, he'll never do you wrong. When you follow the Lord, he'll never lead you down the wrong path. When you follow the Lord, he'll never lead you into destruction. He never leads you down a bad path. He's never going to lead you into quicksand. He's not going to lead you into some quagmire somewhere. Hey, thank God. He says, he that followed me shall not walk in darkness. When you're following the Lord's light, he guides you in the right way. But there are responsibilities. Now, I want you to turn with me in your, in your Bible to the New Testament book of Ephesians. The New Testament book of Ephesians, go to chapter 5. Would you Turn there, please. And let's see some of these responsibilities very quickly that God gives us. Notice in Ephesians 5, verses 8 and 9. In Ephesians 5, 8 and 9, notice we see responsibilities concerning our steps. Concerning our steps. Where we're supposed to go. Lord, do you notice what he says in verse, verse 8? Uh, Ephesians 5, 8. For you were sometimes darkness. And what's he talking about there? Well, you are sometimes darkness. That is, that is where we're at if we're not saved. If you're not saved, tragically speaking, the Bible says in Ephesians 2, 1 and 2, we're children of the devil, we're children that are depraved, and we're also children in darkness. That's a sad thing. We're children of darkness. And he said here in verse 8, for you are sometimes darkness. Now, who is he talking to there? He's talking to believers. He was, he's talking to people. He's talking to Gentiles who were in darkness, but they saw the light. And because they saw the light, they by faith accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior and started walking the light. But Paul wanted to remind them something. He says, now listen, you've been saved for a little bit of time, and you're, you're kind of just wandering around. I need to talk to you about your responsibilities. And he said in verse 8 here, he says, well, you were sometimes darkness. Now, he said, you used to be in darkness. That's your former life. That's what you used to do. But he says, notice, he says, but now are you light in the Lord? May, may I make this proclamation today? If you're saved, thank God you're in the light. Amen. For you're now in the light of the Lord. I like wherever the Bible says now. There is therefore now no condemnation to them in our Christ Jesus. The Bible says now is the day of salvation. Now is important. Now thank God for the future, but the most important moment right now in your life is right now. Amen? He says, for now are ye children of the light. He's talking about our position in Jesus Christ. Now, thank God we're children of God. And thank God we are saved. And thank God we're forgiven. And thank God, as we've sung about this morning, we're going to heaven. But you're also children in the light. And he has a responsibility. So let's read all of verse 8. For you are sometimes darkness, but now are you light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. We have responsibility to walk in the light. We have responsibility to walk in the light of the Lord. He said in verse 9, For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. Darkness is a symbol for sin. Light is a symbol for truth and righteousness. Darkness is a symbol for sin. Darkness is a symbol for evil. Darkness is a symbol for things that are bad. 
But light speaks to us about truth. And light speaks to us about righteousness. And light speaks to us about God. And light speaks to us about the deity of Jesus Christ here. First Thessalonians 5, verses 5 and 6. Paul said the same thing to the church at Thessalonica. You are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Now, we need just to settle this morning. If you're saved, you're children of the light. Amen? You need to settle this morning. You're not children of the darkness. You're children of the light. But if you're not saved, God wants you to come out of the darkness and come into the light. But there's some responsibilities with that. There's some steps we need to take. Notice this. Go to Ephesians 5, verses 1 and 2. Walking in the light is demonstrating the love of Jesus Christ in our life. Because as we look at Ephesians 5, there's three separate times we are encouraged about our walk. Now, the walk is talking about our direction. The walk is talking about our spiritual progress. The walk is talking about what we should be doing. Where are you walking to? What are you walking in? Okay? And God wants us to walk with him. Notice in Ephesians 5, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. Jesus Christ spoke about following him. Paul said being followers of God. What's he talking about? Walk with God. Walk in fellowship with Jesus Christ. Walk in fellowship with him through his word. He said, be ye therefore followers of God. He doesn't want us stagnating. He doesn't want us going backwards. He wants us going forward. He says, walk as children and followers of God as dear children. And walk in love as Christ also has loved us and has given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. Listen, when Jesus Christ saves an individual, he embeds within us a love that we did not have before. And this is one of the tests and marks of you're really saved or not. He puts in us a love for his people. He puts in us a love for his church. He puts in us a love for his word. He puts in us a love for service. And in chapter 5, verse 2, he says here, walk in love even as Christ loved us and gave himself for us. He gives us a love to sacrifice. Now, there's something wrong with our spiritual lives. If we're walking around in anger and bitterness and divisiveness and trying to build a following to ourselves and, and we want to draw attention to ourselves instead of drawing attention to helping serve other people and be a blessing. And he's telling us here, you know what? It's easy for us to get back into the old ways of the old ways of darkness and being selfish and self-centered and all inclusive to myself and only concerned for my well-being. And he tells us here, be ye followers of God as dear children. Reflect the fact, show the fact that you're a child of God and walk in love. Hey, listen, when we leave church this morning, you ought to go around and shake hands and say, I'm so glad you're part of the family of God. I'm so glad you're in church today. And you ought to just be happy wherever you go this afternoon before evening service to say, I'm a child of God. Thank God for that and walk in love. I still remember, I was just sharing the other day about a man that was led to Christ a few hours before he left his life and went to heaven. And he, was, he lived a life that was unsaved for almost 60 years of his life and he got diagnosed with a very serious illness, was declining, and his sister-in-law is a wonderful member of our church called and said, Pastor, would you go see my brother-in-law? And I just had, had, had done his, his brother's service just a few years, a couple years before then. I said, yes, I'll go. And, and uh, he didn't know anything about being saved, but he knew he had to face eternity and he was concerned. And I went to meet this man and, and sat, I went to his bedside there at Sanford Hospital. And at his bedside there, I started telling him about how much God loved him and he needed to get saved. And I said, it's important. He can't put this decision off. And I took God's word and I said, it's like a light to you. And as I explained God's word to him, I told him, listen, if you get saved right now, take Jesus in your heart. God will wash away your sins. He'll forgive your sins. He'll reserve a place for you in heaven and you'll become a son of God. And I remember when that man prayed and asked Jesus Christ to be his savior, his wife who was not saved and his son who was not saved, walked into the room. They had been eating lunch and they walked into the room right at that time. They walked in the room. They were kind of wondering what's going on. They expected me to come, but they wanted to be there. And God just kind of, for every reason, God just wanted me to have one-on-one time with this man. And uh, we had that one-on-one time. I explained him how to be saved, and he trusted Christ as Savior. And I don't know how to explain this to you, but this was a man who only had a few more hours before he would leave this life and go into eternity. But there was a peace that swept over him. There was a smile on his face and the joy of the Lord. And he looked at his wife, and he called her by name. And he said, he said to his wife by her name, he said, honey... I got, I got Jesus in my heart. I'm a son of God and heaven's my home. And for the next seven waking hours this man had, that was about 1.30 in the afternoon, for the next seven to eight waking hours this man had, everyone that came to see him, they wanted to say goodbye to him. He had a smile on his face. Sometimes he'd fall asleep and he'd wake up, but he'd have a smile on his face. He'd look at them and he'd say something like this, I have Jesus in my heart. I'm a son of God and I'm going to heaven. And let me tell you this morning, that man didn't know a whole lot about the Bible, but he knew one thing, Jesus in his heart, Amen. And I want to say today, for you and I, we must understand today that God wants us to walk in love. This man had the love of God in his heart. Hey, let's not go through life bitter and angry and upset and carrying our own agenda. Let's just decide today we're going to walk as dear children of God and walk in love. Amen? 
Notice something else here. Walking in light is demonstrating the love of Christ in our life. But go back to, go back to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 9. Ephesians verse five, chapter 5, verse 9 says this. Walking in the light is also walking in the Spirit. Now, if you haven't figured this out as a Christian, we're supposed to walk in the Spirit. Amen? Because we're, we're not, we're, there's two, two pathways. We're either walking in the flesh as a believer or walking in the spirit. Listen to what the Bible says in Galatians. It says, but if you bite and devour one another, take heed that you be not consumed one of another. And he, this I say then, walk in the spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. God wants us to walk in the spirit. So how do we know if the fruit of the spirit is coming forth out of our life? How do we know that? Look at verse 9. For the fruit of the spirit, he says in three things. The fruit of the spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and in truth. If you're not living in truth, there's no fruit of the Spirit. If you're not trying to live for God, there's no fruit of the Spirit. And what God was saying, he said, I'm going to give an equal playing field. You don't have to be a theologian that's been to some Bible college or seminary to know this. He's just basically telling us in Ephesians 5.9 how we, we see the fruit of the Spirit. A child that walks in darkness, a Christian who's walking in, in uh, not dark, but walking in the light, demonstrates the fruit of the Spirit. So we see, number one, the, the, we have responsibility concerning our sins. But quickly, what did you notice this? We have responsibility about the things we're to shun. Go down a little bit further in Ephesians 5 and notice verses 11 to 13. Light guides our steps. Light tells us what to avoid. It tells us what to shun. Notice verses 11 to 13. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Now notice as we get to verse 11, he's just finished telling us to walk as children of the light. He's just finished telling us to walk in the spirit. He says have no fellowship, no association, no friendship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. What are those unfruitful works of darkness? We'll go down to verses 3 and 4. He first of all talks about sins of the flesh. Would you notice verses 3 and 4? In verses 3 and 4, he says, But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as become a saints. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather the giving of thanks. What's he referring to there? He was telling these Ephesian believers, don't go back to your old lifestyle. The Ephesians, as well as that first century, there was a lot of immorality in those cities. A lot of loose and bad living. And he's saying, don't go back that way. He says, don't, don't go that direction. So he talks about these works of darkness. And he says, have no fellowship with the works of darkness. And verses 3 and 4 describe those works of darkness in terms of the flesh. But go back a few verses and look at chapter 4. In chapter 4, verses 25 to 20, verse 32, and I'm just going to highlight this for time. He talks about we're not, to, we're not to live in the sins of the Spirit. There's sins of the flesh, but sins of the Spirit. Now, there's some things about the Christian life that we must make a decision that we're no longer a partaker of, okay? And uh, my, my son and I were talking about this the other day. It's just, well, you know, we live in a day and time that even Christians, there's just this, this, this tendency to fabricate things and to make things up or not be very truthful about things. But you notice something the Bible tells us as Christians? Look at verse, chapter 4, verse 25. We're for putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for he remembers one of another. Hey, you know, when you represent the church and represent Jesus Christ, represent him in truth. Amen? Say the right thing about the church. Say the right thing about Jesus Christ there. He says here, he says, put away lying. That's, that's having no fellowship within fruitful works of darkness. Now, if you have trouble with telling the truth and, being, being, and, and, and just, being, you know, uh, just saying the truth, I would say to you this morning, the Bible says we need to put away lying. We just decided we're going to be truthful. Listen, if you can't tell the truth, then be quiet. Amen? Amen. And he says here, don't live a life of deceit and fabrication there. Then he goes on by, by telling us that we, in verse 26, be angry and sin not. He says, don't, don't get into an anger problem. Don't get to that place where you're an angry bird. Amen? You know? He says, neither give place to the devil. I like when one preacher said, hey, don't give your real estate to the devil. Amen? Don't give your deed of trust to the devil where he takes occupancy there. Hey, notice something else. He says in verse, verse 27, that let him that stole steal no more. He says in verse 29, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Hey, you know Christians shouldn't be telling dirty jokes. Christians shouldn't be using language that, that's part of the world. We should put that away. He says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And then he tells in verse 30, don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God. It's very easy to grieve the Spirit. Listen, how do you know the grieve the Spirit? If I say something that hurts you, that means the Spirit's been grieved. And you say something that hurts me, that means the Spirit is grieved. And how are those words? Well, look a little bit further. He says in verse 31, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking, how are those expressed? One, our spirit and our speech. He said, let, he said to put those things aside. And he tells us in verse 32, to be kind and forgiving one to another. I'm just saying this morning, the Bible tells us here that if we're walking in the light, we have a responsibility to avoid fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. 
One of the most difficult topics since the Bible was written is the topic and the doctrine of, of biblical separation. We're to be separated from the world. If he, the Bible tells 2 Corinthians chapter 6, we're to have no fellowship with these things. We're not to be unequally yoked there. And I'm just saying this morning, God commands us and tells us that we need to be careful of what we need to avoid. We're to shun them. And in verse 11, it says, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. Verse 12, where it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. And verse 13, but all things that are reproved, that God's word reproves it, are made manifest by the light. The light shows us where, where we should walk and the light shows us where we're not supposed to walk. What well, we have responsibility concerning our steps. We have a responsibility about what we're supposed to shun. Hey, did you know this morning we have a responsibility to shine? Amen? Amen? We're to shine. We're to shine brightly for Jesus Christ there. Notice if you would, Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 to 16. Jesus said, ye are all, you are the light of the world. Now that doesn't mean we're like Jesus in the sense that he draws all men to himself, but he's giving an example of something about our testimony. He says, ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. I think as Jesus was speaking about that, he's thinking about the city of Jerusalem. Jerusalem was a city set on a hill. And Jerusalem, when the lights were lit up, Remember we talked about the Feast of the Tabernacles? They would set those candelabras on fire, would light that. Remember I talked about a couple messages ago that the whole city could be seen for miles. The city would be lit. And he's talking about here, Christians need to be like Jerusalem when they lit it up during the Feast of the Tabernacles. We need to light up our light. Don't hide your light. Let your light shine. Look what he says a little bit further there. He says, you're the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Now what are we supposed to do with this? How are we supposed to shine? Well, number one, our testimony should give glory to God and point people to him. You've known, if you've come to know Jesus Christ as Savior, you need to be very, very careful about your testimony. You need to guard your testimony. Because you are, you, are, you are in Christ's stead, Paul said. You're representing Jesus Christ, and your testimony says a lot. Listen, you don't want your testimony to be so detrimental that people go to hell because they look at us and say, well, if that's what a Christian is, I don't want to be a Christian. They want to see a Christian who's lived around. That doesn't mean you're wearing a signboard, a sandwich board, or carrying an A sign around you and saying, look at me, I'm living like this. But it does say that, you know, we're guarding our speech and guarding our lives there. So our testimony should give evidence that there's light in our life. But notice something else. Our light should shine so brightly, it helps those in darkness who want to come to the light. Hey, listen, we had hundreds of visitors last week that came. Some came from flyers that they received, and others came from invitations from someone that told them about the church. And some of you are back today. I, I promise you that one of, one of the, the, the things that attract them was the light that shined from that person's light. It, it blesses me every now and then when I talk to somebody who's introduced to our church. I'll ask them, who introduced you to the church? And they'll say, well, so-and-so did. And I'm just so thankful for that person that they, that they just were, they were light in my life to point me in the right way. And thank God for the light of our testimony that points people in the right way. Paul said this in Philippians 2.15, that you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. Let your light shine. I read a humorous story about a lady that was in a hurry to get to her destination. And she does like some of us do probably. She started tailgating the driver in front of her. And the driver, how, how do you understand when you're in a hurry, the person in front of you is always going too slow, amen, you know? And that person seemed to be going too slow for them. And, uh, but she got kind of just, she was not, let's just put it this way, she was not in the best of spirits that day. And she started grumbling, complaining, and cursing and all that. And she followed that person all the way around. And then she got to the place where just every light seemed to be a red light. And there were stop signs in every block. And she finally got so frustrated with this driver that she couldn't go to right. And, and it hurt her left. And so she started honking the horn at this person. Well, there happened to be a, 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 a police officer and a motorcycle was on a corner somewhere. He happened to see all this honking and this lady, she's just irate and she's just going away at it in her car even though her windows are rolled up and he turned on his lights and she had followed her and he says, he got on his little microphone and he says, ma'am, please pull to the side. He pulled her to the side. He asked for her license and her registration. He asked her to come out the car and he told her to put her hands behind her back and he arrested her. And she's thinking, what's going on? And they took her into, they took her into headquarters. They called for backup. They brought her into headquarters. This woman, of course, is now, she's not, not going to miss her, uh, be late to her appointment. She's going to miss her appointment. She's embarrassed. She's been pulled aside there. And so she's sitting there in a holding area at the police station. And finally, the police officer came in with a look of exasperation. He said, ma'am, we ran, we ran a report on everything. We looked at everything. And I have to tell you, I made a mistake. You see, I saw on the back of your car, the bumper plate, it says, what would Jesus do? And I saw it says, honk if you love Jesus. And I thought I made a mistake. I thought your car was stolen when I pulled you aside. 
And I think that's a reminder to us that sometimes that we look at our lives, that we put all these things out there to tell people we're Christians, but sometimes our lives are not really reflecting that. A man returned from a journey, then he brought his wife this, this matchbox that they said would glow in the dark. After he gave it to her, she said, well, I really want to see if this matchbox glows in the dark. She turned off the light in the room, and there was nothing glowing. And so they tried it again, and nothing was glowing. And they looked at the matchbox around, and both of them are feeling a little bit embarrassed. He's feeling really embarrassed because he thinks he got cheated by someone that, that, that uh, you know, uh, convinced him to buy this matchbox. She said, wait a minute. And she looked on the sign. She said, there's some words in French here. Let me read this. And so she read the words in French, and the inscription said this. She, she looked at it, and she translated it. And the inscription said this after she translated it. If you want me to shine in the night, keep me in the light. And I think that's a reminder to us that if we're going to shine brightly for Jesus Christ, we must be in the light of his word. We must be in the light of his presence. I am the light of the world. He that follows me shall not walk in darkness, he said. There's a responsibility we have in the light. Notice very quickly a third thing. Go back to John chapter 8, verse 12. Actually, John chapter 3, please. We see the revelation from the light. We see the responsibility. But very quickly, would you notice, we see the resistance to the light. Did you notice John chapter 3, verses 19 and 20, please? Jesus said this in John chapter 3, verses 19 and 20. And this is the condemnation. The light is coming to the world. And notice this next phrase. And men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be, removed, should be reproved. Light is sometimes resisted. Nocturnal animals do not love the light. Animals and insects that enjoy being underground or hiding in corners of dark spaces, they don't like the light. The natural inclination of a sinful person, of a sinner, is to, to love darkness rather than light. A Christian who's out of fellowship with God would rather be in darkness rather than in light. Men love darkness rather than light. There is an inward battle going on inside of all of us here. When we want to do right, evil is always present with us. I wonder this morning, am I speaking to some brothers and sisters in Christ today? You're resisting the light. God's word speaks very clearly of what we're supposed to do. God's word speaks very clearly of how we're supposed to walk, but we're resisting. You say, yeah, God, I know that's in your word, but, but. Yes, Lord, I know that you say that, but. I know, Lord, that you're, you're, what your word says, but. I know what the church practice, but. And we want to go our own way. I wonder if we have just gotten to the pattern where we're resisting the light. Then I wonder this morning, are you someone who's not saved and born again? And I remind you this morning that perhaps as you're, 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 you're struggling inside your heart, and you're wondering, can I be saved? Is it possible for me to be saved from my sins? And the answer is yes, because Jesus is the light of the world. But I would say to you this morning, there's a battle going inside of your heart. And that battle is because Satan and your flesh tells you, it tells you, don't get saved. Don't do it. If you get saved, you'll have all these commitments. If you get saved, you'll have to do these things. If you get saved, you have to give up this and give up that. Hey, listen, anything you give up to come to Jesus pales in significance to who Jesus Christ is. Amen. And I remind you this morning today that, that the darkness sometimes seems to want to compel us to stay in the darkness, but God wants you and me to be in the light. Be careful of resisting the light. This morning, I urge you to come to the light. And as we close this morning, would you notice this? Notice in Acts chapter 9, we see an example of someone who came to the light. Because the light's going to continue to shine regardless if you're still in the darkness. You might be resisting, but the light keeps on shining. Hey, by the way, the darkness of our life doesn't keep Jesus from shining. Amen? Jesus just keeps on shining there. And notice this tonight. If you go this morning, Acts chapter 9, I want you to go there, please. And notice in verses 1 to 5, we see an example of someone who, who was resisting the light and wanted to stay in darkness, but he came to the light. And we notice in Acts chapter 9, we have the story here of a man by the name of Saul of Tarsus. Saul of Tarsus, Tarsus in his generation was most religious of religious people. But Saul of Tarsus hated Christians and he was on a vendetta to arrest Christians and if not to kill them, to bring them to court, to put them in jail. Which you notice in Acts chapter 9 verse 1. And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went into the high priest. And he desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound into Jerusalem. Now what's going on here? Saul of Tarsus was a Pharisee. 
He was a Jew at heart. He adhered to the Old Testament laws. He did not believe Jesus was the Messiah. He did not believe Jesus was the Son of God. He refused to accept that Jesus died for the sins of the world. He was a hardcore Jew, and he made it his goal in life to persecute the believers. And so he goes to the high priest and he asks for letters so that he could go down, to, he could go up to the country of Syria, which was above them, and above where Jerusalem was. And he wanted to go to the capital of Damascus. And there at Damascus, he was going to look for, go through all the synagogues of the Jews to find any Christians who, who, were, who were worshiping God there or happened to be there. And if he found any of them, the Bible says if he found any of them in the way, any of them that were believers in Jesus Christ, they would take them bound to Jerusalem. He said, I'm going to, I'm going to incarcerate you, I'm going to bind you, and then I'm going to take you to Jerusalem. I mean, everyone knew the name of Saul of Tarsus and they were scared of him. And he was on a tirade and he was just on a vendetta that he was going to arrest Christians and come after them. And so he's on his journey. Notice verse 3. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. Now let me tell you this morning, you might be inclined to stay in the darkness, but eventually God's light, Jesus Christ, is going to, is going to come shining your life. And just as Saul of Tarsus resisted the, the light and tried to stay in the darkness, a light from heaven shined right about him. And the Bible says in verse 4, He fell to the earth, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And here's what's going on here. Saul was going after Christians, but Jesus was going after Saul. He was the worst of sinners. He even said that himself. He said, I'm the chiefest of all sinners. But the light, which is Jesus Christ, was pursuing him. And this morning, may I say to you today, if you're not 100% sure you're saved and going to heaven, if you don't know for a fact that your sins are completely forgiven and under the blood of Christ, God wants you to be saved. God wants you to be, go to heaven. God wants you to be forgiven of all your sins. The Bible says if we confess our sins to him, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And God is shining his light in the darkness you're in to shine on you just as he did a Saul of Tar Tarsus that you may know that it's God speaking to you. You say this morning, Pastor Fong, how do I know it's God speaking to me? Because we're reading from his Bible, his word. And she speaks us from his word. His word is a lamp unto our feet and a light to our path. And God is speaking. He said, and he said this, he said, who art thou, Lord? He knew God was speaking to him. He says, I'm Jesus whom thou, whom thou persecutest. He says, it is hard for thee to kick against the goads or against the prick. He says, you can fight against me. You can resist it, but you can't win over me. And may I say this morning, God is urging you today. He's moving in your heart to know Jesus Christ as Savior, to take him this morning by faith and receive him today. It might be today, God is shining his light on you. Don't resist the light. Come into the light. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He that follows me. We see this morning our, the revelation in light. We see the responsibilities in light. We see this morning resistance to the light as we close. Would you notice the receiving of the light? Christ said in verse 12, He that followeth me. Come to Christ today. Later on in John chapter 12, Jesus spoke again about being the light of the world. Would you go there, John chapter 12, and notice verse 35. John chapter 12, verse 35. Then Jesus said unto him, them, Yet a little while is the light with you. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness come upon you. For he that walketh in darkness knoweth not whether he goeth. That's a fact of life. If you're walking in darkness, you don't know where you're going. But he said in verse 36, While you have light, believe in the light, that you may be children of light. These things spake Jesus and departed and did hide himself from thee. As we close this morning, he wants you to believe. And he wants you to receive. First of all, I'm speaking to brothers and sisters in Christ, Christians here today. We have responsibility to walk in the light. We have responsibility to walk as children of the light. We need to shine. We need to avoid some things. We, not, we need not to go back to our old ways of living. We need to live for Jesus Christ. We need to realize that we must guard our steps. We must walk in the light as he is in the light so that we can have fellowship one with another. We need to walk as children of light. Christian friend, I urge you this morning to make a determination to walk with God through his word, to walk with God in prayer, to walk with God by being faithful in church, walk with God by serving him. Find your place of service in the Lord. Give out a gospel tract. Tell people about the Lord. Enroll in our discipleship classes and things of that nature. Do those things there. And then secondly, if you're not saved, 
Jesus Christ is that light. He says to you, while you have light, believe in the light that you may be the children of light. He wants you to put your absolute faith and trust in him to save you from your sins. The light is one person, Jesus Christ. The light is one power, the power of Jesus Christ. His death and resurrection can save you from your sins. And the light has one purpose, to draw you into a saving relationship with Christ. He invites you this morning. If you're not 100% sure you're saved and going to heaven, you say, well, pastor, I trust in a church. The church is not the light. Jesus is the light. I trust in religion. Religion is not the light. Jesus is the light. You say, I, pa- I trust in my past deeds. I trust in my ancestors, whatever it may be. Those things may all be good, but I say to you this morning, Jesus Christ is the light of the world. You must follow him. You must come to him. He says, if you come to him, he will no wise cast you out. That's in chapter 6. He, re- he doesn't refuse you. He accepts you just as you are. Come to Christ this morning. In a moment, we're going to show you how you can be sure heaven's your home. We're going to show you how today you can be saved and know that, that your sins are forgiven. And today you can be born into God's family. Hey, today, if you're struggling with works of darkness, you don't have to live as children of the darkness anymore. You can live as a child of light and be saved and live for Jesus Christ today. My friend today, Christ is the light of the world. He's the son of righteousness with healing in his wings. You can abide under those overextended wings, those large extended wings, and hide under there and realize there's safety and there's protection, there's help, and there's spiritual healing that God gives us for your life and for mine. You're in fear, you're in worry, you're in discouragement, you're down, you feel bitter, you have unforgiveness, whatever it may be. Come under the wings of Jesus Christ, the Son of Righteousness, and find healing under those wings for your life. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Bow our heads and close our eyes as we close this morning. Now this morning, if you're not completely certain that you're saved and going to heaven, I'm talking about 100% plus, you need to get saved today. God wants that light to be in your life. And God wants you to have absolute assurance right now that heaven is your home. Here's how you can do that. Right where you're sitting the privacy where you're sitting right now. You can by faith accept Jesus into your heart right now to save you from your sins. And I'm going to lead you in a prayer where I want you to make the words of this prayer your words. And you're asking Jesus to forgive you of your sins and to come into your life and to save you from your sins. If you're here today, you're not sure you're saved. Get saved today so you can be sure you're born into God's family and heaven's your home. Here's what you can pray as a sinner in darkness who God wants you to come out of the darkness and just like, here's what you can pray. Dear God, I confess today I'm a sinner who needs to be saved. I repent of my sins and believe in my heart that your son, Jesus Christ, died for my sins, and rose again from the dead. Right now, I take Jesus into my life to be my Savior, my God, and my best friend. Thank you today for the gift of eternal life. Thank you today for saving me. Thank you today for bringing me into your family as a child of God. In Jesus' name. Now while we're pausing, is there a man or woman, boy or girl, that you'd by the raising of your right hand would say, Pastor Fong, I want you to know today, right now I just prayed and asked Jesus Christ to save me from my sins. I prayed with you. I made those my words. I prayed and asked Jesus to save me. There's someone here today that would say, Pastor, just now I prayed and asked Christ to save me. Anyone like that? Did you ask Jesus to save you? Thank you. Amen. God bless you. Who else today? You say, I've trusted Christ as my Savior just now. Who else today? I took Jesus Christ to be my Savior. Who else this morning? I took Christ today to be my Savior. God bless you. Who else today? I called on Jesus to save me today from my sins. Who else today? Who else today? Christian friend, thank God for those who trusted Christ. You're a Christian. Are you struggling with the darkness? God wants us to walk as children of the day, not children of the light. You are not of the night that the darkness should overcome you. Christian, in a moment, 
We're going to give the invitation. Maybe where you're at or at the altar, I encourage you to have some time with God. And Lord, did you say, God, help me to walk as a child of light. Help me that, Lord, there's some areas you pointed out to me where I'm, I need to pull away and not have fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. I have maybe sins of the flesh or sins of the spirit that the Bible speaks about. And maybe it may be just for some of us, we're very shy. We need to shine for Christ. We need to be like that matchbox. We let it shine in the light so it shines in the dark. And God needs a lot of us to punch some holes in the darkness to our light. This world needs more Christians who are on fire for God, whose lights are burning brightly, just like John the Baptist says he was a burning and shining light. We need some Christians this morning who get on fire for God, who have a burden in your heart for winning the loss and reaching people for Christ. We give the invitation, Christian friend. I urge you this morning to just decide in your heart of hearts, I want to shine brightly for Jesus Christ. Now, fathers, folks are being dealt with today, being explained the gospel, and trying to find their way, Lord, and realizing that by faith Christ can be their Savior. Help us today to know with all certainty today that Christ lives inside of us, that Christ is alive and working. Help some this morning who are struggling in their heart. Lord, you've spoken to them, but they're, they're feeling miserable and just, just they want to get out because they, they still like the feeling. And I pray this morning they realize today that that conviction is not going away until, Lord, you have your way. Please have your way in the service. In a moment as we sing, help those who are being counseled that, about their salvation, that get Christ in their lives. Help others of us, Lord, who perhaps are struggling in some area of our Christian life to live for you now. We commit this to you now, Lord, in Jesus' name.